Coming up on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. No, he doesn't say that he's completely neutralized. He's saying, taken away from Satan, his biggest weapon against you. And that's the one where Satan says to you, you're a terrible example of a Christian. How can you call yourself a Christian? You're a rank sinner. Your answer should be, yes, that's true. And he says, well, because of that, you're going to hell. Your answer should be, no, I'm not. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place, God will dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand, singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me by your love. We'll return to Pastor Ed in just a moment. This is Grow in Grace. We're so glad you could be with us. And if you knew you only had a few hours to live, what would you do for those last precious moments? I think a lot of people would probably enjoy a big meal, travel, or spend time with family. When Jesus Christ knew that the time had come for him to be arrested and crucified, what did he do? One of the best ways to understand the heart of Jesus Christ is to look at the things he did in the last hours of his life, when he knew he was about to be crucified. Let's do that now with Pastor Ed. We're in John 12 today. This section talks a lot about the word light, L-I-G-H-T. And the New Testament written in Greek and the Old Testament written in Hebrew all three of those languages, English, Hebrew, and Greek, all use light in two ways. We talk about light in the field of science called physics as being a section of the electromagnetic scale that is visible to human eyes. It actually is 390 nanometers, one billionth of a meter to 700 and 50 nanometers. That won't be on the test. I'm just trying to give you a feel for this, this scale that goes from tiny, tiny waves that are as small as the eyelash on a gnat, they're so close together, to low waves, base waves, that are the length of two football fields. So this electromagnetic thing called light is what we can see. It comes from the star, we call the sun, our star, and it bathes the earth in these wavelengths. But we're protected from them for the most part because of the North and South Pole, that electromagnetic field. So none of that'll be on the test. I'm just trying to give you a feel for the way we use the word light in science, but we also use the word light for understanding. Oh, I just saw the light. Uh, the light bulb went on over his head, that kind of an idea. Jesus is using both in this section, but he's trying to get across to us that he is the light. He's already said that back in chapter 8. I am the light of the world, he said. And what he was saying to us is that he is revealing the love of God to a world that is buried in the darkness of sin. 
To say it another way, light is God's love revealed by Jesus Christ. Because if you just read the Old Testament, you won't grasp, you don't see it very often. In fact, it's very rarely in the Old Testament that God loves you. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. As John 3.16 says we covered weeks ago. That's not something you really get out of the Old Testament. It's only when you come into the New Testament because of Jesus. He is the light. He reveals this idea that God is love and that he wants a relationship, a very personal one, with you. Yes, he wants one with the person sitting next to you and every person in this room. But he's focused on you because you have a very unique path. It's different than anyone else here. And God wants to direct you along a path that he chose for you while you were still in the womb, Psalm 139 says. Okay, so that's light. And that kind of light is this understanding that Jesus brings to us about God's desire for us to have relationship with him. Now, it's appropriate that we're talking about light, I think. It turns out that these rays that are coming that are in this narrow set of wavelengths, it's very, it has a necessary effect on our life. When we talk about ultraviolet, usually people are talking about the harmful effects of ultraviolet. You got UV protection in your sunscreen, you wear sunglasses that have UV protection because we're afraid of, and it does cause thymine dimers. I told my wife I wouldn't get off into biochemistry. That's a cancer mutation that happens caused by sunlight, that's true. But it is also absolutely necessary for light. You have to have light. It is in fact the metabolite that drives healthy bones, healthy teeth, and even your moods. And so the key is not to have so much UV that it damages your skin, causes these cancers, that you get enough that it initiates vitamin D3, to be precise. UVB affects your epithelial layer of your skin. The more skin that is exposed, the more vitamin D is produced by your own body. And I keep saying vitamin D, it isn't really a vitamin from a biochemist's point of view, it is actually a hormone. And it initiates this binding of calcium and phosphorus and magnesium in your body. Again, none of this is on a test. I'm just trying to show you the relationship between the sun's light and what Jesus is talking about, and they do cross over here. So radiation does have its harmful effects, but it's absolutely essential. Magnetic radiation that comes off the sun that we call light is to us essential to grow bones, to grow teeth, and to have a good attitude. If you live north of the Canadian border, you have problems with a, something called SAD, S-A-D, Seasonal Affected Disorder. And it really is a depressive state that comes from people who don't have enough vitamin D, don't have enough UV in their life. And so if you're 
having cavity problems, if you're having a bone density problems, osteoporosis or something as you're getting older, you need more sunlight. The amount of skin exposed means more vitamin D comes in. So anyway, I should own a vitamin company. I don't, I'm not giving a commercial here. I'm just trying to set you up to think about this section of scripture and sunlight is the main source of the physical light but Jesus is talking about moral, spiritual understanding of who God is. So here, starting in chapter 12, verse 19, is the final week of Jesus' life on earth. There's been a, a real surge of people, I would say galvanized people, by the seventh miracle that Jesus performed, recorded in this gospel. You remember he only chose seven so that the ones that he chose would prove that God is the Lord, master ruler over the laws of physics and chemistry and mathematics. And so that miracle has just touched the people. And last Sunday, we talked about Palm Sunday. It wasn't Palm Sunday for us, but it was for them in John chapter 12. And they all cheered Jesus when he came down, Hosanna, Hosanna saved now because he had raised a dead man, a guy dead for four days. And they thought, this is just the leader we need, because if we go to war and we lose to the Romans and we die, he can raise us up from the dead. I mean, that's literally what the, they thought the Messiah was going to do. So they have seen Jesus do astounding miracles, somebody that was so long in the Mideastern sunlight in the heat and in a tomb that when they rolled back the stone, he stunk. He was already going through all the decomposition of death, and I won't describe it for you. But that man, still wrapped in grave cloths, was so healed that the next night he threw a party at his house. Literally, he had a dinner party. We talked about it last week. So I guess if it had happened to me, I'd be throwing a party too. So in this section, we'll see this word light six times and the word believe nine times. In the Gospel of John, the word believe in, that little short phrase, appears 98 times. You could say it's the theme of the Gospel of John. You don't get to heaven by performance. You get there by believing in, trusting in, relying on what Jesus did on the cross. That's where this is all going. Okay, it breaks up into three parts. First of all, this voice that comes from heaven, verse 26 through 34. Then his light, that he is light, and the light that he brings into people's lives, verse 35 to 46. And then the single command that God gives that's for everlasting life, eternal life. You're listening to a study based in John chapter 12 from Pastor Ed Ray on Grow in Grace. Let's get back to it. Verse 26, here we go. If anyone serves me, Jesus is speaking to you, to me and the crowd of people that were there, let him follow me and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. Now. If you were with us last week, something happened when some Greek tourists literally showed up in Jerusalem. And they, in John chapter 12, 21, 
they came up and said, sir, we want to see Jesus. We want to understand who he is. We want to have an encounter with him. And when the disciples came back and told Jesus, he said, well, obviously these are the, this is my last week. This is the last times. Why? Because Gentiles coming to him was a sign that the crucifixion was about to happen. You see, Gentiles came at his birth in Bethlehem, the Magi, the Persians that came, and now Gentiles had come from Greece right up to his death and were probably there for his crucifixion. And so he saw that as the trigger for, hey, this is about to happen. And so he's actually talking to these Greeks. He's telling them how they can see, have understanding of who Jesus is. He's talking to us the same way. Verse 27, now my soul is troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I've come for this hour. And this is the closest we have in the Gospel of John to his prayer at the Garden of Gethsemane. John doesn't go into that prayer. You remember Jesus went into the garden that was called the Olive Press, and he was under great strain and pressure before his crucifixion. And there were three disciples there. This guy who wrote this, John, his brother James, and Peter. But they fell asleep. And maybe some have said, well, that's why John doesn't say the whole setting. He just re records what Jesus was saying. My soul is troubled. Can I get out of this? No, this is the very reason that I came. I don't want to get out of it. I have to go through it for the resurrection of every person, the forgiveness of sin for every person. Verse 28, he says out loud, Father, glorify your name. Now, we only use the word glorify in a religious sense so much today. But to glorify is weight. The, the root word is a heaviness of a person or a thing. If you ran in the Olympics and you got a gold medal, we would say that was a glorious run. That was you at your very finest. You have displayed to the world as fast as you can go. So Jesus says, Father, display yourself, show yourself the weight of who you are to the world. A voice comes from heaven and says, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Now, that's the kind of thing you need to get people's attention when you're trying to teach them. I've been asking God to do that. He hasn't showed up yet. It's a joke, okay? I, I mean, if I said, you know, I wish God would just speak, and then the room rumbled, yes, listen to Ed. I would have your attention, right? <laughs> That's basically what happened here. Yes, a voice came from heaven and said, I have glorified it in the past, displayed it, and I'll do it again in the future. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. They only heard the rumble. Others said, an angel spoke to him. You know, there's, that, that's still true today. Do you hear God's voice when he speaks? Well, I've never heard him speak audibly. Well, I haven't either. But he speaks to me quite often through, the, actually just nature. I was talking with a great young man. I don't want to embarrass him. I think he's in this service. But he's a medical student. And he was saying about how when he gets to assist in surgery, he's just amazed of the things he sees in the human body. We are a walking, talking miracle. 
We have the circulatory system that moves blood around and takes out the bad and brings in the good. We have a nervous system that's driven by this brain between our ears. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago if you were here. There's more power between your ears than all the computers and switches on the entire planet attached to the internet. Now, if you're a computer fan, you go, no, no, that's an insult. Listen, you have more switches, more than 100 trillion ways to switch off and on. That's all a computer does, it has off and on switches. You have it between your ears, more than all of the computers combined on the earth. That's a wonder, that's astounding. Your body, just your hand, it's a marvel, it's a miracle. Go outside, go, go walk through nature. And you look at little tiny gnats that fly that are, that are you know, much smaller than an ounce. And their wingspan is a nanometer, that means one billionth of a meter. Little tiny gnats. And they fly, and, they, they, and if they get hurt, their own body has the same capability yours does to heal itself. That's God speaking. But many people don't, okay, I've got a bad joke. Okay, so this atheist is out walking in the forest, and he's astounded by the things he sees. The trees are beautiful. There's this beautiful river that's running down through the forest. He's looking at the ferns and the lichens and all the beautiful plant life. And, and he's looking up the river and out comes a bear, a grizzly, eight foot. And he goes, whoa, and he starts backing up. And the bear comes towards him. He turns around and he starts walking fast and the bear's walking fast and he starts running. The bear starts running after him and he turned around to look at the bear and he didn't see a, a twig sticking out. He tripped over it, fell on his back and then he turned over to have the bear, grizzly bear, right in front of him with his paw like this. And he said, God, help me. And all of a sudden, everything went dead silent and a bright light came from heaven and a voice said, Really? All your life you said I didn't exist? You even taught that all of creation is a cosmic accident. And now when you're in trouble, you want my help? And the guy's shaking. He's got the bear over him. The bear's drooling. And, and he says, well, maybe it would be hypocritical for me to become a Christian. But, but, but can you make the bear a Christian? <laughs> and all of a sudden the voice said, as you wish, and the light went dim. The sounds came back up. The bear took his paw and he put it in the other paw and he said, Lord, thank you for this food I'm about to receive in Jesus' name. Okay, so sometimes God speaks and people don't listen, okay? Well, you follow that part of this message anyway. That's good. Verse 30. Jesus said, this voice didn't come because of me. It wasn't an angel, it wasn't thunder, but it's for your sake. So you would understand that heaven is pleased with what's happening here. Now is the judgment of this world. It's about to happen five days from now when he's crucified. The ruler of this world will be cast out. Well, pastor, it doesn't seem like Satan is gone. In fact, he gave me a tough time yesterday. No, he doesn't say that he's completely neutralized. He's saying, taken away from Satan, his biggest weapon against you. And that's the one where Satan says to you, 
You're a terrible example of a Christian. How can you call yourself a Christian? You're a rank sinner. Your answer should be, yes, that's true. And he says, well, because of that, you're going to hell. Your answer should be, no, I'm not. Because Jesus died for me on a cross, took my punishment, I have salvation. That was taken from Satan that you don't have any way out of this. You say, well, now I do. Not because I deserve it, not because I've earned it, just because Jesus did it for you and for me. So when I am lifted up, verse 32, from the earth, and that means lifted up on a cross, but it also was a Hebraic system, something that the Hebrews said when they were going to die. Well, I'm about ready to be lifted up, meaning I'm going to go up to heaven. So this has a double meaning here. He says, if I am lifted up from the earth on a cross, I will draw all to myself. He's going to draw. Think of that word a minute. He is trying to pull you into relationship with him. He's doing it right now in this place. Faith comes by hearing God's word. You're hearing it. I'm reading it. You're listening to my explanation of it. And it's creating faith in your heart. And that's what God intends. He wants to draw you into a personal, intimate relationship with him. Just you. Because he wants to show you what he's going to do in your life. And he wants to tell you when to make the right decision this way and when that way. So notice it says draw. Now, I don't, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but I'll say it anyway. There's a very popular Christian book called The Purpose Driven Life. It's actually a very good book. I would recommend it to you. It's just the title that's wrong. God doesn't drive people. You drive cattle. You don't drive people. God draws people. The Purpose Drawn Life would have been a much better title. The point I'm trying to make that Jesus said, if you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. God is saying, come. I need a relationship with you. I created you. I put you together in your mother's womb, and I have a plan for your life. And if that happens, when I'm at sort of, I will draw every person. He's working on every person in this place, as well as anyone who hears this on radio or, or however, internet. This, he said, signifying by what death he would die. Clearly lifted up here refers to the cross. That doesn't mean that he isn't to be lifted up in our worship. You know, he's high and lifted up, and we worship him that way. But this particular verse, the primary meaning, he's talking about his coming crucifixion. The people are confused by that because I said it's a common uh, phrase in Hebrew to say I'm going to be lifted up. And they said, we've heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted? How can you say he's going to die? He's going to go on forever. Who is this Son of Man you're talking about? They're talking about Psalm probably 89, where David's seed will endure forever. So they thought once the Messiah came, he'd live forever. They didn't understand, the prophets didn't understand what God was showing them. Because when you read like Psalm or Isaiah 53, it talks about he was scourged, he was, he was beaten by men, unrecognizable, that he was the suffering servant. But then also he's described as the coming king. 
who will come on a white horse and he will rule the earth. Well, those are two separate events separated by thousands of years the prophets and the people didn't see. Now, Jesus does not answer that question directly. He gives them an indirect answer because it really is more information that he, he can't say, well, you know, it's because of time. You know, I worked out E equals MC squared, and we have all this time in between. No, he didn't want to go through that. So he said, a little while longer, the light is with you. We're going through the Gospel of John with Pastor Ed Ray here on Grow in Grace, and it's just a part of our Through the Bible study. If you'd like the CD, which contains the complete and uninterrupted message, call us today at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. You can also listen to the program online at thepackinghouse.org. And again, we're at thepackinghouse.org. We're thankful to the Lord for this opportunity to share His Word over the radio, and maybe this is a ministry you'd like to support. This would be a wonderful time to hear from you, and we'll say thanks by sending you The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer. This is a classic devotional that has moved the hearts of believers for well over a century. Each chapter focuses on one attitude of God, from God's infinitude to his immutability, grace and goodness. I think you'll find it to be both theologically rich and approachable. Again, we'll send you the knowledge of the holy when you give a gift of any amount to grow in grace. Just call us right now at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. And if you wouldn't mind in the next day or two, send off an email to let us know you're listening and what you're getting out of the present series in John. It's encouraging to hear how God is at work through Grow in Grace. Let us know what the Lord is doing in your life when you email us at packinghouseradio at aol.com. This has been Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. Zion, now filled with hands And in this place gotta dwell with man Sick be healed and the crippled stand Singing hallelujah My kingdom built with the blood of my son Selfless sacrifice for everyone Faith, hope, love and harmony I said let this world know me by your